are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your here are your This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entrance sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Hello and welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 142. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are excited to be back here talking sci-fi. We have a great menu and we have a great interview that we're going to bring you folks tonight, don't we, Miles? Absolutely. So, nothing like taking your childhood fantasy action figures and making them come to life and hearing what they really think and talk about. Oh yes, this is a, this is you. You want to be a fly on the wall for this one, yeah? I, I can tell you this: that if you like Adult Swim mm-hmm. and comedy, and, and you know Cartoon Network, yeah, is that Comedy Central? Uh, adult Swim is actually that's on Cartoon Network. You're right okay, yeah, Car- yeah. So Car- mm-hmm. Cartoon Network, Adult mm-hmm. Swim. Well, uh, you will like this sort of show, and they're mm-hmm. short; they aren't long in the watch. Did you watch any of them, Miles? I, I watched the trailer. It was interesting. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was definitely interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, I have a feeling that a bunch of you guys out there will like it. So. Oh yeah, we're excited to be bringing that to you. Um, we'll talk about, I guess, what's going on in our own sci-fi world in the listener feedback show, if that's all right, Miles. That's fine. That's fine. So we'll just move in. Let's talk about, first of all, we can't say enough thanks to Daniel S. for helping us bring this week's episode again. Uh, and he supported us through our tip jar and the podcast. And if you want to know more about that, just visit our Sci-Fi Diner podcast page. We won't talk about that too much. And that's at sci-fi-diner-podcast.com. But we do have an app up. We mentioned this in our last show, and I thought we'd mention it again in this show, mm-hmm. that if you are an Android user, you can go to the Amazon Marketplace for the Android apps and actually download a Sci-Fi Diner Podcast app. That's exciting. We have our own app now. Yeah, I can't believe that we have our app now. And then mm-hmm. we also have one for the iPhone. It's a little bit different to navigate. I'm not sure why Lipson did it this way. But if you want instructions about the iPhone app, just go to the sci-fi diner podcast.com site and uh, there's information there. If you scroll down on the side, I think it's on the right side. So, very so cool. very cool. Very cool with that. Well, let's move into our menu tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, as we mentioned, we have a pretty rocking menu. We gave, already gave a hint of the interview. Tell us a little bit about the, uh, the interview here. Well, we have a new trivia question this week and, uh, we're going to keep it falling skies related and we're going to have a really cool prize to give out. Absolutely. We are doing an interview with Shelf Life, or Life on the Shelf. Yes. Life on the Shelf, is that what we're going by? Uh, shelf Life, I think. Shelf Life, mm-hmm. yep. And uh, we did mention a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, for TV news, uh, who fans will love this? Uh, Tom Baker returns. And 10 Emmy-worthy sci-fi performances, we're hoping, earn a nomination. And in, in movie news, we have a, a, a swing of time at the box office, a RoboCop sneak peek, and uh, Roland Emmerich, who was, was talked about a possibility of um, – Independence Day and a sequel and a Stargate sequel. We're going to talk about that because I have some my own opinions about. All that. right, but uh, go on. And in audio book news, we have Star Wars in the Shadows. Right. So if you're hungry for some um, some, some more Star Wars, uh, that this might uh, this might help. 
<coughs> it's very well done. That's all I can say. Oh yeah, I very enjoyed it much. And um, we'll have uh, Chris and, and, and hopefully Charity Wood on later uh, talk about uh, they, they, they've had a chance to either been to uh, one or two cons the last couple of months and uh, have them talk about that. And in this week's twist, um, uh, so we got Carl Urban slipped out that the, who might be the possible villain. But then the next day, Robert Orsi says, uh, who definitely won't be in the new Star Trek movie. So it's, um, it's dis- disinformation and lies. It's, you know, it, it, it's anybody, you know, guesses <laughs> who, 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 who is the baddie that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is going to play. Yep, we, we will find out. Mm-hmm. And in our sci-fi five and five, uh, Chris and Charity should, will be giving us their top five moments uh, that they had at the uh, at the con. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, that sounds like an awesome menu tonight. Yeah, I think we have some good stuff to talk about. Well, let's jump into the trivia. Let's do our first thing. All right. Well, in this week's trivia, um, where, uh, let's see, uh, Falling Skies is really made an impact comeback since the TV. And so, so they- you know, if you aren't a Falling Skies fan. Mm-hmm. You can do a little bit of research and still get the prize because yeah. you may want this prize because it's not Falling Skies related. So it, it, you know, right. But so. the prize, I think you'll want this in your uh, autograph collection. I want it in my autograph connection. You, connection, you, collection, whatever it is. Well, um, unfortunately, you and I are disqualified from playing. That's right. That's right. But um, but you, our listeners, are not. And uh, uh, so here's the question. In uh, – in the episode The Armory, having captured Tom and the others during the raid on the Armory, John Pope gives Tom this nickname. And um, you, our listeners, uh, will have to tell us what the correct nickname he gave us. Yeah, now you have a choice of four here. Mm-hmm. We aren't going to give you the four. <clears throat> no, we're going to make you work a little harder but, for this. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking at him and I don't know. Right. <laughs> so uh, I, would, I would lose this trivia probably anyway. Mm-hmm. But – they have to August 7th to answer the trivia question correctly. All mm-hmm. you need to do is you need to send in your email address with the correct answer. I guess if you email it into us, we'll have your email address. But email us that with your street address so where we know where to send the prize. And um, and just include the answer and the code word. Mm-hmm. Did we tell them what the prize is yet? We, we have not. Well, uh, then we need two miles. You're what right. What are we waiting for? Go, go for it. Well, uh, just a little anticipation. Um, the, uh, do I need a drum roll? Okay. The, m- most of you know Scott and I had a chance to, to meet and interview uh, the lovely Kate Vernon at, uh, at a far point this year, and she was gracious enough and kind enough to give us a, a signed autograph print of her. And so it's a nice picture of her, and it's autographed. This will make a great uh, part of your collection if you're collecting autographs. And if you're not, it's a good, good one to start out with. So if you answer this question correctly, um, you have a chance of winning this, uh, this wonderful prize. Very good. And the code word for this? The code word is skitter. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Well, you definitely have to be a um, a Falling Skies fan to understand that. Right, to get the reference. I just love John Pope. He's, he's, fan- he's, he's fantastic. I, I hope we'll see him, see him yeah, soon. Yeah, I know. He, he wasn't in this past week's episode, right? Right. So I, um, He'll be back, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's move into our first uh, piece of, uh, I guess, first promo that we're going to be playing. This is for a new podcast that just came out, although the guy doing it is not new. He's been in podcasting for years, longer Mm -hmm. than we have. And this is a man that runs a podcast called The Chronic Rift, and he's Mm -hmm. co-hosting this podcast. I actually don't know the co-host of this podcast. But this is a podcast called Cyborg's A Bionic Podcast. Mm -hmm. Now, did you ever watch Bionic Man? Oh my yes! I, I that was one of the shows I was watched as a, as a little kid. Uh, I had the action figures, had the toys. Uh, l- loved uh, loved Steve Austin, Bionic Man. Yeah. yeah, well, then you will enjoy this podcast. They are doing a podcast where they're reviewing 
all the episodes. I'm probably going to have to check this out. You will. Uh, So Cyborg's Bionic Podcast. And I have a promo here, so we'll tease you a little bit, Miles, and let you uh, hear the promo. And then uh, we'll we'll be back with you after this promo. Cyborg. 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 Two longtime fans of two bionic shows discuss an episode in detail every two weeks with one guest host. The Six Million Dollar Man, the Bionic Woman, the mythology, a look behind the scenes, those sound effects, and the fashions. Oh my God, the fashions. Cyborgs, a bionic podcast. Hosted by John S. Drew and Paul K. Bisson. Find us at chronicrift.com slash cyborgs or subscribe on iTunes. We are back. We are back with some pretty rocking TV news. Right. If you're a Doctor Who fan, you're going to definitely enjoy this. Why don't I go ahead and take the first piece of news and you take the next one? Is that all right? Sounds good. All right. So Tom Baker, it was rumored for a while that he was not going to be in the 50th anniversary episode of Who. Or they're doing some 50th anniversary shindig for Who because it's been on for 50 years. Mm -hmm. That's a heck of a long time for a series. Oh, yeah. So, but... The news now is that Tom Baker will return for Doctor Who's 50th anniversary after all. Dust off your long winding scars, dear fellow Whovians, and stock up in those jelly beans because it looks like Tom Baker is definitely returning for Doctor Who's big whopping 50th anniversary bash next year. The Daily Express reports the 78-year-old actor is going to reprise his role in 2013, the year of the big timey-wimey shindig. The show Insider has revealed that Baker, who plays the fourth Doctor for seven seasons from 1974 to 1981, will join the forces with the current 11th Doctor, Matt Smith, to celebrate the show's half-century milestone. It'll be a fitting to have Tom back to mark 50 years. He was a big part of the show's success and is much loved by fans. Not too long ago, we told you that Baker was willing to return to Who, perhaps because of his ner- Notorious absent during the 20th anniversary special, The Five Doctors, which he had refused to do, if he was asked nicely. I think, I think if they ask me nicely or I can see what they want me to do, I'll consider it. I think the fans have been so good to me, they expect me to at least make an appearance. Most likely true. Right. Uh, <laughs> as for the details surrounding that episode, the Doctor Who honchos are keeping mum on that little anniversary thingy. But there are speculations when or they're not, that the special will serve as Matt Smith's last hurrah as a beloved Time Lord, even though the actor has stated he wanted to stick with the role for, well, like, forever. So what do you guys think of this news? Are you excited that Tom Baker will get to step back into the TARDIS for the 50th once more? And do you believe it will also serve as Matt Smith's last appearance on Who? I hope not, because I absolutely love Matt Smith as a mm-hmm. doctor. Um, but I'm going to be honest. I have not watched a single Tom Baker episode. 
Right. Because I came in at, I, I mean, I am a Who fan from the Eccleson era on. Sure. So, you know, David Tennant, Eccleson, and Matt Smith are my doctors. Right. Um, but the older ones just aren't quite it. And I, I think I've seen clips of some of them, but they just are really dated. They're extremely dated. You have to be a hardcore Who fan to, you know, watch it. And, and they're out there. And they're out there. There's Oh, yeah, they're still out there. Yeah. I and mean, so, you, yeah. You go to the, sci- the sci-fi conventions you and I go to. You'll see guys dress up as you know the Tom Baker uh, version of Doctor Who, and there's a lot of love for the Tom Baker era of Doctor Who. Right? I mean, seven seasons—that's a long time to develop characters, to fall in love with characters. People are people are going to be excited about this. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do. I'm sure. Yeah. So, listeners, if you are excited about Tom Baker returning to the Doctor Doctor Who world, let us know. You can call us at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three, or just uh, email us and let us know your thoughts on it. And attach an MB3 if you want to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com. Well, we have some Emmy-worthy sci-fi performances where, that, we're, that we're really hoping earn a nomination, Miles. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us about these? Yeah. Unfortunately, in the sci-fi world, I mean, as far as the, you know, the awards often go to like either the special effects, the makeup, maybe, maybe the uh, music score or something like that. But, and but rarely does an actor's performance get nominated, and that's that's a travesty. So we're, 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 we're Blaster put out an article about you know performances that, that definitely deserve an Emmy, and so this this is what what they have to say. We're still a few weeks away from seeing who, who got nominated for for an Emmy, and until the official uh, announcement, we plan on t- living um, in hope that some of these uh, stellar sci-fi performances of the past year managed to make the cut. It's a cutthroat business getting an Emmy nomination, and it tends to be uh, even tougher for performers from sci-fi series. But it doesn't mean there aren't tons of worthy comp- competitors out there. See, here are 10 sci-fi actors and actresses that definitely deserve to be included come July 19th. Uh, Jason Isaacs, NBC's Awake. The show may be mostly been ignored by the viewing public, but this short-lived series about a man living two lives one of the highest concepts we've seen in years. And star Jason Isaacs knocked it out of the park as father and husband, dealing with the loss of his son and wife in different realities. Next one on the list was was uh, Joe uh, Barenthal, AMC's Walking. John. John? Okay. Yeah. Thanks for correcting me. John yeah. Uh, Barenthal Sheen was one of the most hated characters on the show's second season, but he was also one of the, the craziest, most tragic, and most nuanced characters on television. His arc kept season two uh, moving, and the epic conclusion was, was positively insane. You know, we have to talk about – you know, I did not watch Jason Isaacs, but, I, you know, I, I think that Jason, our Facebook friend, his mothers on Facebook did. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they can let us know a little bit more about Jason being possibly nominated. Mm-hmm. But I agree. Shane absolutely did a stellar performance despite the fact that you hated him mm-hmm. and there was love and there was redemption and that was – Loathing, and you didn't trust this guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a journey. You know. It just, you know. Show, it just showed when the worst happens. What 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 kind of person do you turn out to be? And, and the, the actor did a phenomenal job of just uh, portraying it. Portraying yeah, it. Yeah. Portraying it. Absolutely. Uh-oh. So yeah, I I definitely agree. He he's worthy of a nomination. Go on. Uh, uh, Peter uh, Dinklage, HBO's uh, Game of Thrones. Dinklage's portrayal of uh, Tyrion Lannister is one of the highlights of, the, of his fantasy series. And we wouldn't be too surprised if he followed up his, his Emmy win last year with another nomination in 2012. Yeah, well, you watched the first season of it. Yes, I did. And, and he won an Emmy for his performance then. Well, he definitely deserved it. I mean, um, he 
he was definitely one of the highlights as far as the show goes. Just he was hilarious. <laughs> just, he, he, he is, and he you know he keeps the show lighthearted. And they're saying I did not see season two yet. I'm waiting for it to come out in DVD or mm-hmm. be downloadable on iTunes, which will probably be next March. Knowing me, but uh, I think he deserves it. Yeah. Uh, next one is on our list is, is Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, who we play in the baddie, who we don't know yet in the next Star Trek movie, but uh, in in, uh, in PBS, uh, BBC's uh, Sherlock. Uh, Cumberbatch is one of the greatest actors on television today, and with a few major films coming down the pike, the actor is poised to be a much bigger name very soon. But it's his fantastic turn in Steve Moffat's hit Sherlock series that really put him on the map. Yeah, and I've not seen it, but people raving over the Sherlock series. Yeah. So... Next is is John Noble. This is something you and I will be happy about. Fox's uh, Fringe. Everybody's favorite mad scientist. Dr. Walter Bishop is the glue that holds this series together, and Noble was able to take the character through several transformations this past season due to the shifting timelines. Agreed. Mm -hmm. I mean, he plays so many variations of Dr. Bishop and pulls them off beautifully. Right. I I definitely – he would have my vote if I were voting on someone for an Emmy. We got – yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 this man definitely deserves some kind of award for his acting. Uh, next is Jessica Lange for uh, FX's American Horror Story. Uh, not, not a show we're watching, but uh, Jessica Lange was hands down the best thing about the first season of FX's creepily awesome horror series, and she was just a supporting actress. Lange is definitely worthy of a nomination and a win for her unforgettable turn as the cold-blooded uh, Constance. Uh, next, another one that Scott and I will be definitely rooting for is Anna Tor of Fox's Fringe. My vote. Yes. Although yeah. Noble has my vote over or hands down. If Noble can't win it, then, then, then Torv should win it. But right. uh, Torv is asked to do a lot of things as Agent Olivia Dunham, and her ability to ground even the most fantastical sci-fi plot uh, point in reality makes her more than worthy of a nomination. After everything her character went through in the latest season, plus her, her turn playing alt-reality versions of herself, Torv has definitely earned some respect. Another name that we, we admire, Alina Hetty from HBO's Game of Thrones. Uh, her role in the fantasy drama is definitely different than her awesome take on Sarah Connor in Fox's short-lived Terminator series. But her character grew in one of the most exciting in the series during the latest seasons. Yeah, and man, as the seasons progress, mm-hmm. you're going to see her develop even more. Okay. You know, I've read the books. So I'm in the middle of book four, I guess it is. And her character continues along this road of development. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, She's definitely acting in a much more developed role than she did in Terminator. And right. I loved her in Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah, she was fantastic. But her, but her role was really one-dimensional, you know. Yeah, th- this this one, I mean, I th- probably she it's more depth, I would think. Yeah. Well, let's talk about who fans are going to like this one, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Karen uh, Gillen from BBC's America's Doctor Who. Uh, Anna Pond has been a highlight of Stephen Moffat's run on the classic British series, and she has definitely shown her strength as an actress, tackling some of the latest from last season's storylines dealing with the theft of her daughter. Right. right. And uh, some of our listeners are enjoying the show True Blood, but Anna Paquin of HBO's True Blood, despite its age, the hit v- vamp soap remains a big draw at HBO, and Anna Paquin is still the one that uh, ties it all together. So who would get your vote? John Noble. <laughs> yeah, I think by, by far he would be my first choice. And uh, for female, Lena Hetty, I think. Mm. Yeah, even above Anna Torv. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Yep, and uh, I don't know, John Berthenol, he'd definitely be up there too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, those, are my, those are my boys. It would be great to see the, the sci-fi uh, shows get some love in the Emmy nominations. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's move into some movie news tonight. Okay. We have news of we were talking about how is Spider Man going to do when it hits a box office? Mm-hmm. They they revealed. I think Blaster said they revealed about thirty minutes of footage up till the time the movie was put together. Someone put all the different clips that we got, oh, yeah. like all teasers together, and ended up being about thirty minutes of footage. Oh my! So, with that in mind, did all this pimpage have any effect? And the answer is yes. Because the Amazing Spider-Man swung to the top spot this past weekend. Amazing Spider-Man got off to a sizzling start and then continued to do solid business, sending the reboot of the superhero franchise to the top spot of the box office. In its opening weekend, the movie took in $65 million, and since its opening last Tuesday, has taken in $140 million. That's less than a week. The figure is off from where each of... That figure is off from where each of Sam Raimi-directed installments open, but it's probably still enough to get a second and third installment of the proposed trilogy about the Web Slinger. Meanwhile, last week's top money earner, Ted, dropped the spot, second spot with $32 million, and third place went to Pixar's Brave with $20 million. Oliver Stone's new movie, Savages, opened fourth with 16 and Magic Mike rounded out the top five with 15 But And I think I saw somewhere that if you, that's just domestic totals. Mm-hmm. Like you combine that worldwide, I think it's up over $200 million. Mm. So, I mean, this movie is bringing in money and people are going to see it. And from what I'm hearing, critics, you know, what, Siskel and Ebert, they're, they're saying this is a movie that is good. It's a solid movie, despite mm-hmm. the fact people feel it's too soon for a reboot. People are liking this incarnation of Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I, got it. I do like the trailers. I like what I saw. It is a very compelling I, – I, I do feel compelled to see it sometime. So, so when are we going to see it? I'm not sure yet. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, so we had to share that. Go ahead. Why don't you read this next one? Yeah. I, um, I saw you posted this on our Facebook page, uh, but uh, Omnicorp's products reveal the first viral peak of Robocop reboot. We're still uh, more than a year away from the re- release of the director, uh, Jose uh, Padilla's Robocop. But with uh, the 2012 San Diego Comic-Con right around the corner, the filmmakers have rolled out for the first official glimpse of the reboot. Uh, the mega company Omnicorp ha- has a website, and they're promising all kinds of robotic goodies. The fictional company is, a f- is official web presence went live this weekend to tease us with the various powers and creations of the corporation that give birth to Robocop himself. The site is still w- only one page, but there's a lot to look at. First of all, there's a redesigned EZ-209, which you can see. Then there's the XT-908 aerial drone that could end up playing a big part in the new technological landscape of the re- reboot. And if you look a little further down the page, you'll notice a project in development called the RC-2000, when human resources meet robotic engineering. But most exciting is the video unveiling that Omnicore product line, including the EZ-209 and the XT-908. Yes, it's the first real footage we've seen from the flick. But more important than that, you get to watch the ED-209 blow stuff up. Yeah, and I have the video here. Should I play it? I think we should. Yeah, we'll we should play it, and mm-hmm. uh, we can just talk about it then. Mm-hmm. Imagine your city with no crime, where a policeman's life is never at risk. Thanks to Omnicorp. You can protect your city with our full line of products. The XT-908 aerial drones watch over our citizens. The ED-209 protects our battlefields and now our cities. And in the coming months, we will unveil our newest and most exciting innovation yet, where human resources meets robotic engineering. The RC-2000, the next generation of defensive products. Omnicorp, 
We've got the future under control. Protect your city today. Go to www.omnicorp.com for more information. All right. Now, they show you there. They pan around this mm-hmm. future thing that's coming out, and it's, it's Robocop. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it looks pretty wicked. So, I mean, I, I was, I'm ambivalent about Robocop because I remember watching it. And mm-hmm. don't remember it being – I don't remember it being something that was like phenomenal. I remember enjoying it, but it didn't hit me like Terminator did or like some of the other ones did. Right. Um, but did they, they made a couple of Robocop movies, didn't they? There's a total of three Robocop movies and there was a syndicated TV series that lasted about a season. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we're making this, I think – it's due for a remake. The technology's mm-hmm. certainly updated itself since then. Right. I mean, with, with technology today, you could definitely – it's going to look good. Now, what, what, what I think – I don't know. I mean, I don't know if RoboCop had the same kind of um, pathos that maybe the Terminator series had. Um, I mean, it was enjoyable, but I don't know. It just it, They're just – the story – you know, there's they're just not as much depth as in some of the other sci-fi stuff you and I like. I mean, it's when it comes to that that kind of thing. But then again, did Judge, did Judge Dredd? Well, the, <laughs> the first the first movie, I mean, the, the Sylvester Stallone one. You know, they said it deviated a lot from the, the, the original comics. So we're saying it's going to be more true. I guess the same with Total Recall, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. And this is only a trailer for the company, the fictional company that's right. out there. So we don't actually have a trailer for the movie. But we have some hints here what it might look like. And it looks pretty good. Oh, it does look impressive, yeah. So uh, we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. We'll go, why, don't you, why don't you go ahead and take this next story? Yeah, me? I saw this. Uh, so Roland Emmerich eyes another Independence Day and uh, more Stargate. Uh, it's been some time since uh, his Stargate Independence Day hit theaters in the 1990s. And... Just one second here. and But the director, uh, Roland Emmerich, today tells The Hollywood Reporter that both sci-fi properties could be headed back to the big screen. And Independence Day, which is slated for a 3D re-release on July 3rd of next year, would go the, the sequel route. And, and Emmerich had been working with uh, his former creative partner, uh, Dean uh, Devlin, to get their story together. Uh, creatively, for the first time since we did the original, I feel we have a worthy concept, a worthy path to go, he says. Whether or not we're going to make this happen, if we can get all the pieces to come together... That's going to be challenging. Plans for Stargate, meanwhile, are a bit less distinct. Stargate has always had this empty hole, he adds. When we made the first one, we always intended on doing part one, and, part two and part three, and we prevented it for years. And our hope is that we can get together, get another chance at Stargate and tell another, tell an entire story we wanted to tell. Emmerich's next uh, White House Down is set to star Channing Tatum, uh, Jamie Foxx, and Maggie Gyllenhaal, and deals with a paramilitary takeover of the White House uh, today, uh, Variety revealed that uh, James Woods is in talks uh, to join the cast playing the head of the president's Secret Service detail. I like James Woods. Oh, I do too. Um, you know, here's the thing. If they do do a Stargate movie, what it has going for it, it didn't have when it originally came out, came out is 14 seasons of TV Stargate. Even if it's not based on that at all, mm-hmm. people will go to see it because they get a Stargate movie. Right. And even if it's a true sequel, it doesn't follow any of the universe. People will still see it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, pe- the Stargate they, fans they, are hungry for more Stargate. Yeah, and they might bitch about how it doesn't follow the timeline we're in, and mm-hmm. yada yada yada. But they're gonna go and see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, ID four. Will they bring Will Smith and mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum back? Mm-hmm. And do you have to bring them back 
to have the sequel? I, I think I, I think you do. I mean, um, I, I think there are two of the good reasons to watch that movie. I mean, the movie had a lot going for it, but just as far as actors and... And, and just the way they clicked. They, they had good timing and good, they had good chemistry together. I, I think it, it would be very foolish not to bring those two together. Yeah. But it's been 15, you know, over 15 years since Independence Day. I'd just be curious what they would do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, me too. And there's a, I mean, a ton of the actors have gone on and done many other things. You know, All right. Mary McDonald and mm-hmm. Bill Pullman. And, mm-hmm. and there was a great cast there. I mean, Adam oh, yeah. Baldwin. They should bring Adam Baldwin back. <laughs> they, they should give him a bigger role in this one. Though. Yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely in this one. Mm-hmm. But well, very good. Well, it's time to give us our audio book review. That's right. And uh, we, I think, have both listened to this audio book. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to talk about it, or should I talk about it? Uh, go ahead. Okay, I'll talk about it, and then mm-hmm. you can chime in. Mm-hmm. It's been a little bit since I listened to it, mm-hmm. but let me tell you, there are not many Star Wars podcasts out there that, as far as Star Wars fiction itself, as mm-hmm. far as online. And I'm not sure there's a lot of Star Trek stuff, for that matter, as far as patio books go. There's some. Um, I, I've listened to a little. Not a lot of it really grabbed me, though. But nothing like the quality of what we're going to tell you here. This is Star Wars in the Shadows. Mm-hmm. It's only a, what, seven or eight episode series, right? right. Mm-hmm. And they, it was, that's all it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. But you follow this rogue Jedi. And here's, here's the background. It says, born and raised in a military family, Emma uh, Wormus slowly discovers that the Empire is not what she's always been taught it was. Her allegiance to the Empire will be tested, and she will during her adventures, uncover something about her family and a secret weapon kept hidden even within the Empire. Hmm. And uh, uh, Danny Pepin wrote this. It's produced and directed by him. The music is music by John Williams. Mm-hmm. So, And uh, sound designed by uh, Bette Burt. But he, they use a lot of effects and it sounds good. It sounds like this could be a Star Wars miniseries. It's definitely worthy of. I mean, it's 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 fan fiction, but it, but it's done so well. It's worthy of being part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. probably never call us canon, but you will enjoy the mm-hmm. Star Wars story if you've not heard about it. Star Wars in the Shadows still available. Yeah. Yes, and uh, we, I, I I heard about it from Christoph Lapuka. I mean, oh yes, I mean, yes. I, he, I think he's the one who told us that in an yeah. interview. Um, and by the way, he said he'd do another interview with us. I just haven't lined it up. Okay. So if you want to line it up, yeah, I'll have to contact us when you, when you yeah, can. Yeah, he, he said he said he'd do it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's something we're also hungry for is more Leviathan Chronicles. Well, why don't we go ahead and give Chris and Charity a call and um, and we'll take it from there. Well, uh, we of course have joining us tonight Chris and Charity Wood, who you heard if you listen to this podcast for any length of time. You will have heard them talk about their endeavors with Bye Bye Robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had Chris on with numerous I- interviews we've done in the past. And so, Chris and Charity, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Hi. Yay, thanks for having us back. Totally. Yeah, it's awesome. It always feels like we have like, – it feels like a homecoming a little bit when you guys are back. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> yes. It totally does. So, and I, I look forward to the day that we can maybe actually meet in person, you know, because this is long-distance relationship sucks. I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I know we have to get up there. Um, what's the one that's the con that's near you guys? Oh, sh- shore leave, shore leave, yeah. Shore yeah. leave. Kate, I know we totally want to go to that one. Oh, come on, Kate Mulgrew, baby, is going to be there. Lavar Burton. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. that's See, great. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. See, you got to come. <laughs> <laughs> when, when's Las Vegas? It's right over Star Trek Las Vegas. It's like here. the week before. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, late late July. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah you, we're you, actually going to be driving to Vegas this time. Yeah, oh. and that's Vegas is like. 
seventh August seventh or something yeah. through when it's like Thursday. When it's actually Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh yeah, she's Wednesday short, is she, yeah. like the like a early opening for the vendor room, but then the rest of the stuff happens Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay, yeah. See, Shore leaves the weekend right prior to that. Mm-hmm. See, oh, I would wow. totally love to see you guys, but I'm afraid I would want to kill myself after with all the driving yeah. and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, so what you're saying is you want to kill yourself after seeing us? Got it. <laughs> well, tell me. Uh, so you guys have been heading to some conventions recently. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those conventions? A little bit about it, who you met, so we can all drool and you know kind of be enjoy. there with envy and everything else. Enjoy the con experience vicariously through through both of you, since uh, you know. We didn't get to be there. Right. Yeah, we went to, uh, at the end of May, I believe it was. I think it was. Yeah, we went to Comic Palooza in Houston, Texas. Wow, we just had some more lightning. Hopefully this doesn't, you know, shut down again. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, we went to Comic Palooza in Houston, and uh, it was a three-day convention, mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. They had a lot of big names, and the only Star Trek guy that was there was George Takei, but that's pretty cool yeah, in itself. It's George cool. Takei, so... Yep. Um, we got to see him, but there were a lot of other guests. Um, Peter Mayhew. Um, who else was there? They had Chris Judge, um, Chris Judge and um, oh, I'm blanking. Taylor. Taylor. What is her name? I know. Oh, Rachel Luttrell. Right, yeah, that's and, right. right. Um, they also had um, Sean Patrick Flannery. And that was oh, a long guest, um, guest list. Oh, guy, what is the name of the 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 voice for Zim? He was also in. Oh, yeah. um, Summer school, Ikean. Yeah, I can't remember his name now. He was so nice. He was very nice. He was super nice. Um, Invader Zim, by the way, voice for Invader Zim. Um, okay. And who else was there? They had a couple other Hicks from Aliens. He was also oh not, right. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's yeah. That's... Hicks from Aliens. Mm-hmm. He also played Sarah Connor's love interest in Terminator. Yeah. Gosh, I'm totally oh, Michael, Michael Bain or yeah. That's it. Oh, Miles cool. In oh, day. that's awesome. Yeah, Miles, yeah, he, was he knows there. everything. Um, a fountain of useless information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect because my brain is shot. Yeah. Um, it was a big guest list. Let's just put it that way. Uh-huh. So many people that, that we can't remember. But, I mean, it was a pretty good-sized con. The, the George Brown, George R. Brown Convention Center in, in Houston is a pretty big convention a center. And they had center. it pretty packed. So it was a really good show. Mm-hmm. Um, we were there actually as... Uh, bye bye robot. We had we were kind of doing dual roles. I was we had press passes and we also had um, a booth in the vendor room, which was our first convention uh, as bye bye robot, and that was pretty interesting. Which went really smoothly. I was impressed. I you know we didn't know what to expect, and and actually setting up those vendors and tearing down and running it and everything actually went pretty smooth. So that was nice. How did yeah? It was a great how, how, what sort of response did you guys get to the artwork of bye bye robot? It actually went really well, and, mm-hmm. and this was a non-Star Trek convention, and all we were selling was Star Trek right. licensed uh, posters and artwork. So we had a pretty good turnout. I was surprised too, yeah, because like you said, you know, um, George Takei was the only Star Trek guest there, and um, we still had quite a bit of interest. So that was, I, I don't know, I was not expecting that. So that was cool. But the the funny thing about it was, I mean, we did we did well. We had a good time, but a lot of people were coming by saying, I really love this artwork, but I'm not really into Star Trek. So, that, I mean, that in itself says something about the artwork as opposed to the subject matter. So that's good. Um, and we had um, we had three artists represented there, too. We had um, my stuff that we started the um, company with, and then we had um, Steve Thomas, who does a ton of 
um, like WPA style retro travel posters, like from the thirties, but he does them for, um, he's doing hours for Star Trek, obviously, but he's done a ton for Star Wars and, um, with a Lucas badge and stuff. So they're like, I don't know, a dozen probably for that. He was actually just recently at the opening for Star Wars days at uh, Disney world, I believe. Um, and that was cool. And, um, but he also does like video game posters, a bunch of retro stuff. It was pretty cool that he wanted to work with us to do Star Wars stuff or Star Trek stuff in that style. Um, so that's pretty cool. So we had him and then we had another, um, California artist, Jeff Foster, um, who does like impressionistic style paintings, like, like old impressionist stuff. And, um, those were really well received, um, at, at the cons. I mean, everybody just kept running up and, you know, I like this a lot and stuff. So it's pretty neat. Yeah. We had a good time. Really good time. The second convention we went to was in Lake Charles, Louisiana, uh, for a convention called BayouCon. Uh, we've gotten to know the, the guy that runs that and the volunteers there pretty well because we went last year. And they're all super nice. Yeah, they're all great people. And we had a good time. It's a smaller con, um, but the good thing about smaller cons is you have two or three guests, but then you get lots of, I mean, you guys probably know this because I'm sure you've been to smaller cons. You get lots of FaceTime with those guests. So oh, yeah. J.G. Hertzler and Robert O'Reilly were there, uh, and then they came dressed as Martok and and yeah. Gowron. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then John Paladin, who does their um, does the makeup, was there. He did their makeup, of course, and it looked fantastic. Um, and he did like a panel where he showed how to apply Klingon makeup, too, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it was It was a fan won a raffle to get made up like a Klingon. So, And it, it uh, turned out really well. You guys can check out our, our pictures of that if you go to subspacecommunicate.com. Uh, we're at, we're in the process of getting the postcon wrap up together because it's been a pretty busy week for us. We had a had a release for Bye Bye Robots, so we had to go through all that process of writing press releases and getting on the site and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But of course, Larry was there. Larry Nemechek. You guys know Larry. Yeah, oh, I, I saw I saw pictures of, of that. Yeah, a good friend of ours too, and we always love hanging out with. Larry. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. We also got to meet Michael Demerit, uh, who was the assistant director on both Voyager and Enterprise. Um, and he was a fount of knowledge. Oh yeah, um, we'll get his brain about all kinds of, of Star stuff. Trek stuff. Yeah, which we're hoping to get an interview with him soon for Life After Trek. Uh, for all the folks out there that love the inside baseball type interviews that we've done, yeah, because he's got so much information. It'll it's be amazing. another fantastic one. Um, so, but we had a good time, and we were there as press and as Bye Bye Robot again. And and even though it was a smaller con, we still had a good reception for the artwork. We actually got to host the Klingon breakfast there uh, where fans, you know, pay a, a small fee and get to have breakfast with JG and Bob for an hour, hour and a half. Um, so we got to host that, which was really cool. I think we were hosting that as subspace communicate. Though, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, very good. So it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys had a good time connection. And were you doing any Bye Bye Robot stuff at the BayouCon? We yeah. did. Yeah. Uh-huh. We had a booth there too. All right. Yeah. It was again, it was like, um, like, Houston, right? We did press and um, Bye Bye Robot, which usually turns out that he's doing one and I'm doing the other, and then we'll switch out and and, and trade responsibilities. So awesome! Yeah, we had help. We had uh, friends that helped us in Houston, so it wasn't right. quite as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not bad. It's just you know you're pulling double duty. Right. So mm-hmm. and covering it is hard enough. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> with, two, right. with two people constantly doing it, yeah. So it's it's a little tougher. We're gonna do that in Vegas too. 
again this year and um uh, but we're also this time is our first booth for Bye Bye Robot in Vegas too, so that will be interesting. Um, we do have um, one the artist that did the impressionist uh, style paintings. Um, he's actually going to be there with us, so he's going to be at the booth a lot. And um, he totally said he'd help us out when we needed to cover stuff, so that should work out pretty good too. Yeah, all good, all good. Well, uh, that sounds like a good report of the two cons that were at Miles. Uh, Wish I could have been there, but some, but you know, it sounds like you guys had a great time, and um, you know, glad you're glad you're here telling us about it. Yeah, yeah man. Someday we got to come out there for you guys I and know, go to go totally. to shore leave, or yeah. you guys need to come to Vegas or, yeah, we or Austin. To, yeah. This year's Austin, com, uh, Austin Comic Con in oh, October is it the end of October? They're going to have pretty much the entire bridge crew from Next Gen there, except for so far they're only missing. Tasha and um, Will Wheaton, but Denise Crosby and Will Wheaton. But I hear that they're they're trying to get Will, so there may be more. But I mean, Patrick Stewart's on the docket, and everybody else. So it's gonna road be trip, Miles. Big. Road trip. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we'll be there as Bye Bye Robot again. We'll have a booth there and press. So. Oh, that's we awesome. Gotta, we gotta switch that out. I yeah. Think. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, something's gotta give. Yeah. I think. But right, I mean, right. we love covering the oh, conventions man, yeah. for Subspace Communicate, and a lot of fans have kind of grown to um, expect it. Right. So I know, and I just can't bring myself to give that part of it up yet either. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, very cool. Very cool. Well, it sounds some good stuff going there. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, well, we'll have to get out there someday. And if you want more of the convention footage that they're talking about, you can obviously visit Subspace Communique for all your convention needs and more. And and, 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 <laughs> and your daily dose of Star Trek news. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you want to know more about the artwork they do, Bye Bye Robot. Right. And uh, if you go to Life After Trek, uh, they have some fantastic interviews. Absolutely. Um, you know, talk about, you know, What's going on, you know, the inside baseball, so to speak. Um, a lot of the actors, you know, give some really good information if you're interested in that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, talk about, uh, you know, Subspace Communicate. Rumor has it that you ripped off these stories that we're going to be talking about next from them. Well, I did get these. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't get these these stories from from, from Subspace Comms. I don't, oh, how these. dare you, Miles? <laughs> how well, dare you? I think there might be a reason. I, if, if I'm not you, you, you you're trying not to give as far as the spoilers for the new Star Trek movie. Are you trying to avoid that? Yeah, yes. you know, yeah. I, 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 let me let me rephrase this because it's kind of not coming out. I don't of think my you brain. got it out to begin with, so there's no. <laughs> there's no phrase, so you're not really you're not really rephrasing it then. Let me <laughs> try that. How's that? Um, now, I it's kind of hard to put to words though. I I do cover Star Trek to some. Mm-hmm. But I don't go after every single thing that's released. You don't go after like 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 only rumors, you know, like where it's totally just a rumor. You try to stay away from that. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I try to. And stay I away did from air rumor. quotes, which you guys couldn't see yeah, or hear, so that quotes. was not I saw helpful. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it. Yeah, I, I don't go after every single story because I think that yes, fans want to know more about it, but at some point you get to a breaking level or it's oversaturated with news about Star Trek too. And honestly, that's kind of, that's kind of been the mantra for subspace communicate from the beginning. I didn't go after every single story that had Star Trek in the title. I pick, I pick and choose the ones that I find interesting and that I think that fans will find interesting. Um, and so that kind of plays into how I deal with Star Trek too. I think, I think also we try to, um, stay away from those stories 
because we don't want to learn the spoilers. Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't want it to be ruined for me. So I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily want to read every story that's out there because I'm afraid I'm going to get a spoiler and I don't want that. Now a story about William Shatner's pants falling off. I'm on top of that. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. That's just funny. I don't care who you are. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I hear he took it really well. So I thought that yeah. was, that was pretty, um, pretty cool. Of yeah. Yeah, well, in this in this story of Star Trek II, um, I believe under the photos, 10 most pirated movies under there is probably where we can start it. But we had a um, – Carl Urban leaked someone, something about the Trek villain, right? Yeah. Is it, I mean um, I don't – because the next article I'm going to be reading basically uh, – Orsi basically um, rebukes, you know, rebukes that. I mean uh, so yeah. – well, so do you want me to read it or you want to read it? Go ahead, read it. Okay, so in a recent interview to promote his current Judge Dredd movie, Dredd, Carl Urban may have inadvertently revealed the actual name of the character who's squaring off against the crew of the Enterprise, Gary Mitchell, right? In his interview with F- SFX, Urban relayed his feelings about working alongside a Sherlock Holmes uh, actor, Benedict Cumberbatch, and revealed his long concealed identity. He's awesome, Urban said. He's a great addition. I think he's, and I think it's Gary Mitchell's going to be exemplary. What's particularly noteworthy about the revelation, other than the fact that his name isn't Khan, is that Mitchell was effectively the first villain in Star Trek history. Although the episode in which he appears, where no man has gone before, was broadcast third on television. It was also created as a second pilot for this series after NBC rejected its predecessor, The Cage. In the episode, Mitchell, played by 2001 star Gary Lockwood, and longtime friend of the Captain Kirks, who develops superhuman abilities, including telepathy and telekinesis, after the ship encounters a mysterious barrier. Kirk is eventually forced to kill Mitchell after attempting to banish him on the planet of Delta Vega. If screenwriters Alex Kurtman and Damian Lindelof and Robert Orsi adhere to all the narratives of the episode, Mitchell will be a formidable enemy for Kirk and crew of the Enterprise. In the recent interview with THR, Kurtzman revealed that the sequel, Kirk doesn't understand what it meant to be captain, suggesting that the fledging commander has yet to experience the inevitable responsibility of sending a crew to their deaths. Mitchell's storyline would make for some particularly interesting dramatic possibilities if Kirk Kirk is not only forced to see his crew killed, but be responsible for the death of one of his oldest friends from Starfleet Academy. Uh, so this is Urban. This mm-hmm. is what Urban said in his line. I mean, is he saying that this is a one-off thing? Just like he'd be the good Gary Mitchell, meaning a good villain, period. Mm-hmm. Or is he saying the Gary Mitchell? Right. I'm, I, I, I seem to think that he it, it's something said to throw us off. But You think? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, maybe before we get maybe before we get Chris and Charity weighing in mm-hmm. this, we should also read the second story because right. it kind of counter, counterbalances a little bit. If that's okay with you guys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah totally. So go ahead, Miles. So screenwriter Robert Orsi lists five characters who will not be in Star Trek Two. In a recent radio chat, Star Trek Two screenwriter Robert Orsi was was asked about characters who will or will not be in the upcoming sequel. With all the discussion back and forth regarding whether Benedict Cumberbatch will be playing Khan, Orsi decided to name five characters, some villains and others not, who, who will 100% not be in the sequel. These characters are Gary Mitchell, Charlie X, Ruck, Janice Rand, and the Borg. It seems pretty apparent the Borg would not be in the m- movie but assuming that Orsi is being honest, that, that begins to lend merit back to the con theories. I started to get my hopes up that it would be Gary Mitchell after all, but I'm not. But I'm one of those few who would like to see a rebooted 
can't enter the fray. My problem with a lot of the franchises these days is that the, they kill off villains after one appearance instead of prolonging them through multiple films to build the animosity between good and bad guys. Orsi also mentioned that the movie title has a 75% chance of using the word Star Trek, but no confirmation on the final name of the film. I'd be willing to bet the movie has a subtitle, but no number. That seems to be popular these days. Uh, CBS and Orsi have discussed a possible Star Trek animated series, but no word on what generation would be the focus of the story. With both the Clone Wars and Tron Uprising successfully translating storied franchise into a world of cartoons, a new Star Trek cartoon may not be so far-fetched. All right. So now it's time for you guys to kind of weigh in on this. You know, I would be much more okay with him playing Gary Mitchell as opposed to Khan, I me, think. Me too. Not not that I wouldn't mind seeing Khan again. Um, I'm just not sure how – I mean, okay, Ricardo Montalban played Khan. He played a, a Sikh warrior from India. That was a stretch. Okay? I mean, it, it, he – whatever. It was a stretch because he didn't look Indian. Right, but uh, what's his first name? I never can pronounce that. What, Ricardo? The guy that's, that's whatever Cumberbatch. Yeah, right. no, we'll just go with whatever Cumberbatch. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So whatever Cumberbatch, um, he he I, in my mind's eye, I can't see Khan. So I'm just going to leave that there. Um, Gary Mitchell, I think that would be a great, great, uh, a great character for him. And in the pictures that we've seen. He looks like he's wearing one of the Starfleet Academy uniforms, and that's how Kirk and Gary Mitchell met. They were friends from Starfleet Academy and from childhood, and so maybe that's how that kind of plays out. I don't know, but I, again, I don't really, I don't really see him as Khan, and I'm hoping that he's not Khan. And in fact, I'm hoping that he's some other obscure character. I don't necessarily want to see the stories retold in an alternate universe. I would like to see maybe new stories or maybe a character that, yes, we know about, but we don't know a ton about. Um, so that's just my two cents. What do you think? Um, well, firstly, I think you're just totally infatuated with Ricardo Montalban, and that's probably the basis of yeah. you not wanting to be con because you just like that other con. He has yeah. amazing chest. But. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. He's very impressive. I mean, and you, how do you, how do you, you know, outdo perfection, right? So um, I don't really want it to be con either. Um, that w Gary Mitchell, that was the first I'd heard of that when you were reading that story. And while you were reading it, I was thinking, wow, if that is a spoiler, I'm down with that because that does sound interesting. I kind of, I kind of now I'm hoping that it might be that too. Um, that would be cool. It, when you were saying too, and Chris was saying that, you know, characters we don't know or those kind of things, um, and, and, you know, not just retelling the same stories in a different timeline. Um, it made me think that it would be kind of cool actually to see the same characters that we're used to be different people. Like maybe they run into Khan, but he's not bad this time, you know, or he's not, he's not the same Khan, you know, it's, it's he's maybe, lovable Khan. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, maybe he had different experiences, you know, it's a different timeline and stuff. I mean, obviously not before he gets, you know, shot into outer space or whatever and floating around, but maybe after he meets Kirk and the crew, it's not the same, you know, uh, outcome that he has in, in TOS. So maybe he is a totally different 
you know, dynamic. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's maybe, playing the doomsday machine. Maybe, maybe some, you know, characters we're used to, although with totally different personalities, that might be kind of fun. Too. You know, he could dislocate his jaw and start eating planets. I'd be down with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing though. If they need to be, if they're two obscure characters, you aren't going to get people relating to them. And one of the things that made the first Star Trek movie was whether or not we, the Romulan Empire or whatever, we knew Romulans and we knew a little bit about their history and their association with Vulcan and all that. Um, and, and so all those things connected to us. If we pick someone that's too obscure that the bulk of Trek fans may not know, uh, I mean, unless they're diehard fans, you, maybe we risk alienating them a little bit. I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, point. yeah point. I like that. But, but, but so, in my so, mind, I'm making the movie for me. Right, right. right. <laughs> but, it, but if you do pick someone like Gary Mitchell, most people know who Gary Mitchell is, especially if they're TOS fans at all. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, that would make an interesting villain, although then that sounds like Orsi's trying to throw us off, you know, if, that's, if, he's, if he's lying to us. You know? So if he ends up being Gary Mitchell, I'm thinking that J.J. will probably somehow write out McCoy. To punish uh, Carl Urban for that. <laughs> oh, no. oh man, he wouldn't. But JJ is pretty particular about his uh, secrecy. Yeah, so yeah. Well, you let that slip, then that's a pretty big deal. Well, yeah. you didn't you? You posted an article a few months ago that like JJ, but he he got these trailers surrounded around his film set or something to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was barricaded in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just a. I mean, it's amazing how much everybody wants to try to find out what's going on with this movie. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that last time when when the first movie came out, you know, everybody was skeptical. Most people were like, "No, this is gonna suck," and I can't believe they're redoing Star Trek. And then you know, we all went gaga when we saw it, and we're like, "Ooh, you know, yeah. just, we love this so much and stuff." And I have a feeling that the second one is probably gonna be similar. You well, know, like not I'm, I'm, everybody was like, "Well, that. I guess not yeah. everybody," but. Lots and lots of people, especially people that I personally know that said they were never, ever going to like that. I can't imagine who that might be. Totally loved the movie. So, yeah. so what sold me on Star Trek, the, the, the rebooted J.J. verse Star Trek, was the comic that Roberto Orsi and Alex Kurtzman wrote, um, Countdown, which connected TNG era to this new movie. I don't know if you guys read it, but it was about... I have, yeah. The, yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to... Actually, you know what? I'm not going to say much about it because if folks out there haven't read it and they have seen the new Star Trek movie, go back and read it. It's actually it's, super cool. It's totally worth a read. Yeah, countdown, so, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and speaking of comics, have you checked out the new um, comics are putting the original series in the JJ-verse? Uh, you you know, out? I would... Here's my thing with comics. I love them, and I, I especially love the Star Trek comics, and I want to be able to review them for my site. But much like Star Trek Online, I had to limit what we were doing just because of the amount of time that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I haven't read them, but at some point I plan to. I actually have a stack of comics I still need to read that I bought a while back that I was going to review. Um, but that's just it's an arduous task, you know, mm-hmm. reading a comic and then giving my insight on it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so, I mean, I haven't read them yet, but I hear they're great. Yeah, yeah the first couple issues were okay, but but since then, I mean, the last three or four have been really good. I mean, they've just, um, uh, just you know, it's it just, at first when I started reading them, they just seemed like a rehash of the original series 
just just telling you in a JJ verse, but now it just seems like the, the these stories are now actually very compelling. The new the ones that have come out the last few months. Um, oh, that's cool. That's yeah, so they, they've gotten better. Yeah, I I, I I enjoy comics too, but I, I haven't bought any in a long time. But when I heard they were putting the original series in the JJ verse, I thought, well, this is the only JJ trick I'm going to get for a while. So I'll figure I'll I'll I'll, I'll buy the comics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are the are the new ones like the the one that was for this new Star Trek movie that, that came out? Was that Countdown? Yeah. I, I want to get the title right. Okay. Yeah. So, I I've always been drawn to comics as an artist, especially. I love the pictures, but I was never able to enjoy reading them because I found like stories just so thin, and dialogue and whatever just like tedious and thin. And um, but I love the artwork. Anyways. For Countdown, I actually liked the story, and I liked the the way it was written and everything. So, how are how are these new ones that you're talking about now? Are do those have good writing? Are they are they interesting reads? I think they're all interesting. I think the first couple issues they were just okay, um, mm-hmm. but 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 the last few issues, I think they they they've improved greatly as far as the storytelling. Uh, the last one I read was. Re- Return of the Archons, and they've kind of made it their own in some ways. As far as I mean, it's it's basically I mean it is re- a retelling of that story, but they've added some things that kind of ma- made this a lot more interesting. Um, and the one I think it was Operation, and I noticed a difference when they did op- Operation Annihilates, where Kirk's in the original series. You know, Kirk goes to this colony planet, and his, and his brother's dead because you know, those uh, those parasites. And and so um, when, when I read that one, and they're always, they're always two parters. So at least you know, you, you, it's hard to tell. At least they're telling the, the story in two comic books, so they, you know you're getting some good content. Um, I, then I noticed a tremendous improvement in the storytelling. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I might actually look into those. Yeah, Operation Annihilate. That's the that's that's a, a good episode, and it was even better with the remaster. But I always liked the fake flying vomit. You know, the parasites look like <laughs> yeah. fake vomit. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. thought I throw that out there. Yeah, I, I was, stuff's always been my favorite too. Yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, just you know, those parasites. I mean, they're very dated by today's standards, but I mean, you could still you know love what they were trying to do back then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, Return of the Archons too. Red Hour. Did they uh, have you have you read both of those? Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm I'm caught up. So yeah, I've read uh, the Return of the Archons, um, and that that, cool. that was good too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's uh, you're not part of the body, right? That's the Return of the Archons. Yeah, Landrew. Oh, that was Landrew. Wait, that's, Wait, that's the, the same, same one. episode. Yeah. I think it is. I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. it is Landrew. Yeah, because yeah. it was like their religion. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I didn't give anything away there, right? But, no. Okay, good. But the comic if book people haven't seen Return of the Archon. Well, we're talking about like a forty-five year old show, so I think. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert! Spoiler alert! No, I'm just kidding. No, so, but with, in that one, they, they, they do a f- you know a few subtle things to kind of make it its own and really add some more layers to that story, which uh, uh, which I, I, I think made it a lot more you know more enjoyable. Yeah. Well. Um, let, uh, let's move into our last promo here, and then we'll get Chris and Charity back on to talk about maybe, maybe some top moments they had from the two cons that we're at. Okay. How about a mile? Sounds good. Let's, let's, let's move into our promo here. We really should give a promo for Life After Trek here. You guys need to send us a promo guide. 
Come on. <laughs> yeah, it, we need to definitely get on that. It, 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 Life After Trek's taken a little bit of a break just because we've been so busy with the Bye Bye Robot stuff. But hopefully right. we'll have another uh, interview coming up shortly. Yeah. So. A, a, a couple, uh, a couple of them, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, do you have a do you have a couple of uh, interviews recorded for it already? No, we have a couple of um, outstanding. Out, like, yeah, people have agreed to, yeah. and uh, we just need to. Everybody needs to find the right time to do it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, we hope to hear more more from you guys in the future regarding that. But while you're waiting for them, uh, rumor has it that uh, Trekcast is now putting out episodes again. Yes, Trekcast has been back. Yeah, so they're uh, they're they're filling Yay. they're mm-hmm. filling they're filling the void. It's great to have those guys back on, and we're gonna play a little bit of a promo. So if you haven't checked out Trekcast and you're a Star Trek fan, what the heck are you waiting for? You know, it's like, hey, I still got a little Star Trek in me. I'm built on mid 21st century civilian clothing. Well, next time you see a guy that looks like Wolverine, poke me. Yeah. Highball and cocktail. Highball and cocktail. Oh, God. This is getting bad. You're listening to Trekcast, the Star Trek podcast. www.trekcast.com. Listen to Trekcast, it'll save your virtual life. What happens when you take Toy Story, separate the action figures, make it live action, and make the humor a little more adult, what do you get? You get shelf life. Tonight, we're, tonight we're delighted to be talking with uh, Yuri Lowenthal and Tara Platt, the creators and executive producers and performers in the web series Shelf Life. Yuri and Tara, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We want to talk about Shelf Life, but the both of you have a very impressive uh, resume on IMDb, from video games to voice work to acting in, 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 in uh, live and, and notable TV series. Please, please tell us a little bit about what we've seen you in and, and where we've heard your, your voice talents in the past. I was Wonder Woman in DC versus MK. Um, we're both in the Naruto video games that go along with the animated series that we're both featured on. I'm Tamari on that. Uh, Yuri Sasuke. Um, I recently was Ellie Martinez in Resistance Burning Skies. We were both characters in Saints Row the Third. And then I've had my smattering of TV things from Castle to Revenge to Parenthood uh, to Gilmore Girls. And Yuri also has a, a list of his credits, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, video games and, and uh, cartoons. Um, most notably, maybe the Prince of Persia video games. And um, uh, for cartoons, uh, Ben 10 and Young Justice and uh, Legion of Superheroes, Afro Samurai. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the, uh, the odd uh, independent films and some TV shows. I think my favorite uh, having been uh, uh, Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles, which was sort of a dream come true. So that's, uh, yeah. That's 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 where you you may have either heard or seen us. Although it's <laughs> it's more likely that you've heard us than seen us. Okay, so mostly it sounds like what you've done has been mostly voice work. Then, yeah, yeah. Most yeah. people are more familiar with our voice work than they are with our on camera work. Although that's still very important to both of us, and we're very passionate about our on camera and on stage work. So right. we, we still pursue that. Right. Yeah. Well, I know that Miles and I were both fans of the Sarah Connor Chronicles. 
Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that was that was a heartbreaker that they just sort of ended it. And uh, I mean, I hear it was an expensive show. I get it, but. Yeah. But we were, you know, it was just hitting its its steam, really. That's what we felt. We felt, yeah. Uh, first, putting on a Friday nights uh, was was a bad idea, and um, yeah. yeah. But it may, hey, it is what it is. That is, yeah, that is the death slot. You can ask uh, you can ask Joss Whedon about that. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, he knows. <laughs> so, so, oh man. Well, talking about Joss Whedon, I guess in Castle you got a chance to work with uh, Mal, our favorite Mal. Yeah, uh, Nathan Fillion's a super, super cool dude. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, that, that's just that's just what I wanted to hear too. Like yeah. I, I wanted, I didn't want him to, you know, I didn't want to hear that he was a dick or anything like that. It would totally ruin my life. No, he's a stand up dude. He comes over. He's very, you know, very polite and very friendly and makes you feel at home, even though you're you new to a set that you haven't been on before. And he's just a really all around good guy. Well, and that's what I gathered just from following him on Twitter and hearing people's experiences at different cons that he's been yeah. So. Um, so, I mean, you obviously just from the short conversation we're having here, you are fans of of, of, of genre television, at least to some extent. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm I'm more of a, we're both fans, but I'm more of a fanboy. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. So, t- tell me, I imagine that some of this whole fanboyish type stuff is what has inspired you to kind of come up with shelf lights. Tell us a little bit about how Shelf Life came about, maybe a little bit about what Shelf Life is for our listeners who may have no clue at all. Certainly. Um, it's, uh, it's a, you, you, you had a pretty good description when you, when you entered the show. It's, it's sort of like uh, uh, Toy Story, but we curse a lot more. I say, <laughs> so, I say it's Toy Story on crack, is yeah. what I tell people. It is, it is kind of like Toy Story on crack. Um, and, and the funny thing is that, you know, I just said I was, I was the fanboy in the family. Uh, but the, the, the funny thing is that Tara actually came up with the idea. I mean, I'm the one with the action figure collection. She came up with the idea. And, and then we, we ran with it. Uh, we were looking for We were actually uh, in pre-production on a, on a different web series. And uh, it, it was just, it turned out it was going to be a lot more complicated and maybe more expensive than, than we had originally envisioned. And uh, Tara came up with this idea. What about these four action figures on a, on a shelf? And we thought about it and we're like, oh, we got to do that. You know, we can, that's something we can do. And there's a, it, it's, it's a very, you know, it, it really opens up. It's a, it's a small sort of space to put people in, but then all the things you can do within that are, are huge. You know, the stories we can tell and the, the jokes we can make. And so, uh, that's, that's where, that's where it all began. <laughs> it actually came out of the fact that we were working at our production studio and I was sort of enviously eyeing the green screen setup that we have because the, the other web series would not have been green screen. And it turns out this series is not green screen either. But in my head, I was like, it would just be so much easier if we could just green screen it. And it was like we were four action figures and we're just standing on the shelf. <laughs> and so then it sort of took off from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's awesome. And, you know, you, you talked about that there's humor in that, but, but you guys have managed to put out some pretty relevant messages in the midst of the humor. Well, I think all good comedy and, and anything that we find humorous or funny, and one of the things that I think people are so attracted to with science fiction in general is the it's, it's, its inherent ability to sort of poke fun of and mock society in a way that people feel is safe and therefore can be humorous and, and something to be laughed at. You know, I mean, the reason that you can watch TV shows, you know, where it's aliens, you know, doing whatever they're doing and, you know, abducting a president and, take, you know, doing taking liberties with social, economic, political, whatever ideas mm-hmm. is because it has this slightly removed... Um, 
separation from the experience that we're all currently having, but yet we it's commenting so um, directly on the things that are happening that people really connect to that. And so I think a lot of the humor comes from that naturally. Yeah, genre, genre in, in general and sci-fi in particular is sort of like a Trojan horse uh, in entertainment for, uh, you know, political and religious and, you know, social commentary. Moral, yeah. Yeah, in, in general. Yeah. You'd never, like, if you had pitched Battlestar Galactica as this story about, you know, uh, religion and politics and, you know, all this sort of hot button, you know, terrorism and things like that, it never would have gotten made. But, you know, it's a sci-fi. It didn't really happen. There's a spaceship and aliens. <laughs> right. And, and thankfully, that's, you know, it works. Oh, yeah. I was wondering if you're going to make an allusion to that because I think one of the most current television series, the most recent one that's done that really well has been Battlestar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Battlestar did just about everything well, in my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> yeah, some people will argue that the season finale, the series finale, was not done well, but I like yeah. it. That's yeah, and that's, and that's totally fair. No, that's right. <laughs> um, well, tell us a little bit about some of these characters that you play on the show. I mean, you have a cast of four. Tell us about the four characters that you kind of play with. And I mean, I know there's some other supplemental ones, but the four main ones here. Yeah, the, the, the four mains are Hero Man. Who uh, who's my favorite character? He's he's the big lunk-headed superhero guy. He's he's kind of an idiot. He's kind of offensive, but you know, deep down inside, he's just you know he's just a good guy. Um, but he's 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 a he's a big funny idiot. Uh, played by Travis Willingham, who we really lucked into getting in the sense that he is both handsome and funny, and not afraid to make an ass of himself, which this role required. And while we were talking about the role, we said we got to get we got to get Travis, and luckily. We did. Um, and and uh, there's his half-sister, Hero Lass. That's me. That's, that's Tara, um, who uh, is the she's, – she's the, she's the sex symbol on the shelf. She's the mom on the shelf. She's the sister on the shelf. She's, she, uh, because she's the only woman on the shelf. <laughs> um, constantly fending off her half-brother's advances, as weird as, you know, as twisted as that may be, well, and um, lay, uh, right? generally trying, trying to keep the shelf in order. Uh, and then there's Bug Boy, who I play. Who is sort of the uh, the the snarky, wisecracking uh, character, and uh, with with very low self confidence, and uh, and then we've got our our, uh, our Chewbacca of the shelf, his uh, our green our giant our, green our, Chewbacca. Our, our giant Chewbacca. I was um, thinking that when I saw that. Yeah, that's just you know yeah. excellent. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. I'm glad you did because that was that was the thought yeah. that occurred to Samurai us. Samurai Snake yeah. is definitely the Chewbacca of the shelf. Yeah, he uh, no nobody understands him. I mean, the audience can't understand him. Um, but we, we, some of the characters can't understand him. Hero Man can't understand him, but Bug Boy and I much. understand. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's been great having, because they are, they, they did sort of come out of, you know, archi- you know sort of archetypes in a way, um, and have allowed us to, to tell a whole bunch of different stories with, uh, with the four characters. It's really nice having, um, you know, I mean, Samurai Snake is, you know, is the mystery. He's, he's, the, he's the wisdom, and, you know, Hero Man is the the happy, you know, dumb, dumb guy. And, uh, he's, he's the idiot, you know, the village idiot of the shelf or whatever. Oh man, I'm going to catch hell from Travis. I've, I've, never, <laughs> idiot. I've never described him as the village idiot of the shelf. <laughs> uh, what's his Twitter address? And I'm the, I'm the mother figure, show. but I'm also sort of the sex figure in a way, like the, you know, the chick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, so it's, it's been, it's, it's allowed us to tell a lot of different stories, which, which has been hugely rewarding. And, and now we're, we're trying to, you know, get some, more and more um, uh, guest 
performers to come on so that we can open up the world even more. And, we, and that's we've had been really exciting. Yeah, yeah the, the ones that we've had on during this season, uh, which we're really excited about, are Phil Morris, yeah. um, who you may know from his work on Smallville. He's Martian Manhunter. Man yeah. And uh, he was on Seinfeld. He was also in movie. Uh, he was um, Jackie Childs. Yeah, in, uh, in Seinfeld. On Seinfeld. And then he was in big movies like Black Velvet. Uh, Black, Black Dynamite. Dynamite. Oh, my gosh. He plays a character. He plays a character called Black, Black Velvet. Velvet. Right. Uh, but he was in Black Dynamite. And yeah. uh, and it was such a treat to have him on set for the um, yeah. season consummate, finale. Consummate professional. Really nice guy. And 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 kick-ass martial artist. Yeah, um, we we sort of wrote the role uh, with with that in mind. And um, and speaking of Battlestar, uh, we've got uh, as a, as a special sort of bonus episode for season three. It doesn't doesn't really fall into the season three lineup, um, but uh, we had uh, Aaron in town, and Aaron shot a, an episode. Uh, Aaron Douglas, who played uh, the chief Chief Tyrrell on um, on Battlestar, and that was. Man, I'm surprised we got anything done that day. <laughs> we were laughing too hard. It was very silly. And then, of course, Bear McCreary, who is the composer for our show, also did, mm-hmm. you know, was the composer for Battlestar. And, and every Eureka other TV and show. And right pretty now. much every other television Walking show. Dead. Walking Dead. And <laughs> yeah, it's been, we've, we've just been extremely lucky. How, how did you get Bear McCreary to do the music for your show? Man, That's that awesome. is the, I, you know, I told him the other day, I go, you know what our number one question in interviews is, Bear? And he goes, what? I go, how did you get Barry McCreary? <laughs> <laughs> um, the and and the truth is that uh, we've known Bear for for a long time. He was uh, um, probably about eight eight or nine years now, almost. Um, when when we came out here, uh, one of the first projects I worked on was a, a, a USC grad film that was sort of uh, fantasy based, and he was he did the score for it. And so we met on that, and we've been we've been friends ever since, and we've worked on things for each other and helped each other out and. I, when I came to him for, for Shelf Life, I just assumed, I, I pretty much came to him saying, hey, Bear, do you know anybody who might be interested in this because you know more composers than, than we would, uh, thinking, you know, God, this guy's so, you know, he's so busy. There's no way. <laughs> right. um, but he got the, uh, he, you know, we, we pitched it to him, and, he's, and he said, well, well, you know, I might be able to help you with that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I wasn't going to ask. But, uh, but you're not going to say no either. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and um, he's just been tearing it up. Um, and the, you can sort of see an evolution of the, the music uh, from the from the first season to the second season to the third season. I mean, it's really it's. Uh, it's but we're been, still fans of some of the themes that he's come up with for the the music for some of the characters. Like, I still think yeah. that like the gay ninja theme is one of your favorites. It is. It's, <laughs> gay ninja theme is absolutely one of my favorites. And then the new epic music he came up with for um, uh, for the the fight between uh, between uh, Nar or uh, Ginger, Ginger. Sorry. Uh, Ginger the cat and Samurai the snake was was great, and then some of the some of the stuff they did for the the the, the big the the, uh, the one today that uh, went up today on Daily Motion. Lost in translation. Lost in translation. He's it just gets better and better, it's man. It's very exciting to be working with yeah. people at the top of their game and the top of their fields. So. Yeah, because it makes us work harder. Oh yeah, I love that fight by the way between the cat and uh, Samurai. Yay! <laughs> yeah. That's our cat, and we made him cross dress because he had to play a girl, and he's really a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but he's. He's a very he's a very pretty boy, and so uh, he, he played he played a girl pretty well. Although I tell you, I thought he was going to be because he's usually a, a a camera whore, and he'll he'll hop in front of a camera and. In know, fact, perform. he's rubbing himself against our computer right now because he knows yeah. we're doing an interview. So. Yeah, he's like, he's like, Dad, Mom, how can I get on there? Yeah, it's um, good. We but, turned the video but we off. totally had to. I had to puppet him for a lot of uh, the the fight because he's like, "Why are yeah. we being so violent? What's going on?" Right. So I was, I was sort of I, I grabbed him. 
and I, I'm just off camera and I'm like moving his arms and he's like, I don't want anything to do with this. Like, no, fight, be fierce. Performance <laughs> oh, anxiety. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome that you get to work with some of these uh, just top-notch people and that you're able to get some yeah, it's, it's re- It really is a dream come true. You know what, that just has to help bring people into your show, I would imagine. I mean, people see Bear McCreary. They see well, hopefully, that. I mean. Yeah, hopefully. It's, 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 it's sort of a new development for, for, for our show and, you know, we're trying to to, to get the word out more and more of, you know, the people who are involved in the hopes that we'll, we'll broaden our audience. Because, yeah. you know, as you well know, the, the Internet's a big place and you can, you can have a quality show and because it's, it, it can get lost really easily. So we're, we're doing our best to, yeah. to get the word but, out. But, I mean, like, definitely I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, people that are fans of people like Aaron Douglas or Phil or Bear or, you know, anyone that may be working on our show – Hopefully, as their fans start to realize that they're working on this, they'll tune in and get excited about the show as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's awesome. You know, so you have three seasons on your belt, or you're at least in the middle of the third season. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We... Halfway through season three as of today. Yeah. <laughs> so how, I mean, what comprises of a season for you guys? Do you have a certain, like, set number of episodes? I know the episodes yeah. themselves run about three to four minutes on average. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, they, they they range from two to four minutes, so somewhere in there, depending. Because we also believe that once the joke is run its course, you got to get in and get out. So we tried to not beat the dead horse and you know let it lie and just stop when the funny is no longer funny. But yeah, the episodes are between two and four minutes, and our system so far has been ten episodes a season. So. Okay. Once we're completed with season three, which have actually all been shot, they're just still in post-production as far as the last mm-hmm. five that are still in process that'll be going up over the next five weeks, um, we'll have 30 episodes out. Mm. And then one thing that we're actually currently working on is coming after, right after following Comic-Con that we're going to be at this weekend, we're doing a live interactive webcast party next Wednesday, the 18th. And what we're doing during that is trying to invite all the people that are our fans and that are excited about the show to join us as we move forward with season four. And it'll help us launch our Indiegogo campaign because so far we've just been doing the show out of our pocket. <laughs> and Yuri's in my pockets are empty now. Right. <laughs> and but, so, the, but the show has grown. But the show has grown yeah. and it has more to say. And so we're going to try to do an Indiegogo campaign to raise some money for season four. And so we're you know, very excited about moving forward with the next new aspect of the show. Yeah, it takes a, a for for a season to to produce a season. It takes a, a several months of, uh, of preparation and writing and scheduling and you know building and getting all the stuff together. And then we shoot. We try to shoot an entire season over the course of a weekend. Now, as the as the show's gotten a little more complicated, we've had to add you know a day here and there. Uh, for you know to pick something up or to because we're shooting in different locations well, now we have or, action figures to shoot with and cats yeah, to shoot with and right. getting off the shelf and exactly so it's gotten a little more complicated but we try to do all the shooting in a relatively short period of time and then and then it takes uh you know a couple months after that to to be uh you know to do the post-production the editing and uh you know to give bear time because he's so busy you know, to do uh, composing for the show. and But we have really big plans for season four as far as getting these characters off the shelf and exploring the world more. And, you know, we need to do some new costumes and there's going to be some fun, new, big, better, sort of exciting things happening with the show, not only in terms of what you're seeing on screen as far as the costumes and the sets and the props and stuff, but also as far as the, the storylines because a lot of the feedback we're getting is people are really loving these characters and they're really enjoying them, but they want to see more of that. So we've actually actually story arc season four much like a television show would with an a and a b storyline so that 
through the course of the season, you're getting anyone that tunes in, you know, at a one-off can totally do that and just watch one episode. And it doesn't matter where you see that, but anyone that tunes in and watches the entire season is going to get a more rich, full story because things are actually going to affect and impact stuff as they go. So we're really, really excited about the upcoming season four. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And now when, when are you looking at launching your Indiegogo campaign? Oh, yeah. The Indiegogo campaign actually launches next Wednesday, the 18th. So it launches. Um, we're doing it. We're doing a live webcast on the stream.tv slash live. But you can get all the information you need if you just go to our shelflifeseries.com website. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got all the information up there. But, yeah, we're going to have this live webcast party so that everybody that's excited about the show can actually get involved. And then we have some really amazing perks um, at, for, for people that, that do end up donating. And we're just re- we're really excited about the show. So. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Now, Miles, last question. Yeah. You, now, Shelf Life recently won or sometime won an award. Uh, uh, what award did it win and uh, what did it win in? Yeah, um, we won uh, Comedy of the Week through Indie Intertube. They they watch a lot of web shows, and then when they find one that they think is particularly outstanding, they give it an award. And so we were very thrilled to get the Comedy of the Week because we think that we're funny, and it's nice to have someone else think so too. And then we were actually, just this past weekend, we were an official selection of the International Television um, Film Festival. And so that was really exciting to actually get to screen it on the big screen and have an audience of people and then do a Q&A afterward and talk about it. And so so that's been nice to actually see that kind of recognition happening as well. Yeah, seeing, seeing it on the big screen was kind of weird. But, <laughs> but it, it looked really good. I was, I was impressed. Very good. That's awesome. Well, uh, one other question before we kind of wrap up here because we're getting near the end of our time. You're also doing something called Con Artist. Yay! Tell, tell, yeah. Tell, yeah, tell us that, a little that, bit about this because uh, this sounds fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, we, uh, you know, we've, we've been traveling as, as voice actors. We've been uh, going to conventions now for, for years. And uh, it's a really, we've always thought it's just a really interesting place. Now, I grew up going to conventions as a, as a fan, um, but it's interesting doing it from this side, and particularly as a voice actor, because we enjoy this really weird kind of fame. It's, uh, it's, it's like we're famous inside the, you know, the, the room that we're doing the, you know, the panel in, or wherever we're doing autographs. But as soon as we walk out the door, we're nobody, because nobody knows what we look like. Um, so it's a, it's... It's not like it's not you know sort of a classic fame situation, and um, we've always thought it was a really sort of uh, you know rich for comedy situation. And uh, a friend of ours approached us who uh, who directs uh, documentaries, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I, I really think this is a." And it was the title that sold us. He uh, he said, "Yeah, I, I think that would be a, a great idea too." And you have to call it con artists. And we went <gasps> done. Oh when my we, god! When we, we have start to, shooting, yeah, we have to do that. <laughs> so we took uh, we took a year. And shot at you know maybe ten ten eleven conventions over the course of a year, and uh, so some of the stuff is actually just hardcore you know documentary real interviews um, because we wanted we wanted to open up the world of you know of the convention. Um, now I know I know um, uh, uh, Morgan Spurlock beat us to it uh, with his Comic Con movie earlier this year, but uh, but there's also a lot of uh, 
you know, fake stuff, more mockumentary yeah. stuff. Most of the most of the story in the movie is totally mm-hmm. fake. It's just Yuri playing Yuri and I playing versions of ourselves. That's not really who yeah, we are. But slightly it, out it of was, control. It was, control. It was to tell the story of these yeah. voice actors that sort of get out of control, which we thought was a funny um, sort of story to to go along with watching. You know, getting involved in the world of the convention. So yeah. hopefully, it'll be out this fall, and we'll we'll be very excited to start sharing that with people. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely have some uh, appearances of people that people will know, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Will Wheaton, Aaron Douglas again, and uh, Vic Magnolia, and a bunch of others. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's a, it was, it, you know, I mean, that's the great thing about about being at those conventions is we got, a, you know, a lot of those people in our movie, and we wouldn't have been able to get them otherwise, but they were at the convention, so yeah, it was terrific. Well, so if people want to find out more about the Shelf Life series, where can they go? Where can they find out more about you guys? How can they help you? Where can they go help you guys out? Right on. Um, you can for for all of your shelf life uh, questions um, and all of your shelf life needs. Um, <laughs> you, you can just you can go to shelflifeseries.com, and there'll be links to all the episodes. You know, behind the scenes stuff, uh, information about what's going on. Links to our, you know, our Tumblr page and um, and to, to the Indiegogo site when that goes and to uh, the live. Shelf Live event for next Wednesday. Yeah, Shelf Live for next Wednesday for yeah for people who are interested. Um, you just go uh, next uh, next Wednesday at uh, eight p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, there's going to be a really special announcement, so I would urge people to tune in because it's sort of a limited time kind of thing. So I, I'm recommending right. that people do tune in to actually be there to hear what the thing is. Yeah, and it's um, it, you'll just need to go to uh, thestream.tv uh, slash live. But you can get all the information at yeah. shelflifeseries.com too. Yeah, you, you can find us on, on Twitter. We're, we're at Yuri Lowenthal. I'm at Tara Platt. And there's actually an at Shelf Life Series. Um, uh, Twitter uh, handle as well. Yeah. And uh, if you go to Monkey Kingdom Productions, that's our, our production company website, um, we'll have more information on uh, con artists and whatever else we're, we're working on. Well, I think con artists also has a website. Yeah, con artists movie. Conartistsmovie.com. Yeah, very good. Uh, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're busy, so, so keep tuning <laughs> in. Uh, keep, uh, keep checking back because uh, there will be more stuff. Awesome. And thank you guys so much for having us on with thank, you today. Thank oh, you pleasure guys to you. for joining, joining us tonight. And uh, we'll let you know. I'll send you an email when this comes out. It'll probably be oh, out great. about uh, early next week, at the beginning of next week. So hopefully it'll be Perfect. out before you do your Indiegogo campaign. So That's great. Thank you Perfect. so much. All right. Hey, thanks a lot. All right. Okay. Take care. Have a good All one. And uh, we still have Chris and Charity with us. We do. We can't get rid of these guys worth the darn. <laughs> no, it's like a bad cold. <laughs> it is. But uh, Chris and Charity, of course, from uh, Bye Bye Robot and So Space Communicate and Life After Trek, we wanted to pick their brains on some of their top five moments from some of the cons that they were at. Mm-hmm. And uh, why don't you guys just go ahead, and they don't need to be in any particular order, but maybe pick out five top moments for you guys uh, at the cons you've been at. Let me real quickly plug one more thing that I've been working on. Oh, absolutely. Feel free. Yeah, I started a website called the Rockford Files Files.com. Oh, I forgot about this. <laughs> this isn't an actual plug. I mean, yeah, no, it's out there. It exists. It exists, yes. Because I, I've got a fascination it's been a with rolling Jim Rockford joke for a while. and uh, the Rockford <laughs> Files and decided to make a blog 
about Jim Rockford and the Rockford Files, but the only name I could come up with was the Rockford Files Files. <laughs> Com. Which I still feel or find funny. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to disrupt it with my, you know, <laughs> ridiculousness. Goofiness. Yeah. Yes. So we'll go ahead and, and roll into the the top five. We, you know, the thing is though, this isn't really a top five. We've got a number one that we think is definitely number one, but the other four are kind of a mix because they okay. all kind of even out. So all this right. really isn't in chronological order. That's is that fine. right? Yeah. That's or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the right term. Yeah. Yeah. Fill in been, the word yeah, here. My, right. my brain's not working. Properly lately. <laughs> we understand. <laughs> All right. And I think it actually won't be six. Didn't we come up with another one that we. We'll just roll. Just roll. Okay. And if you well, give us six, we aren't counting. That's okay. <laughs> okay. So it's the <laughs> six of five. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, one of them, I suppose, is completely self serving, but we had a lot of fun uh, doing our first two boots. So that was a lot of fun for us oh, that's at awesome. the convention. Yeah, it was yeah. a blast. And it was a, it was an experience. It's something that we hadn't experienced before that really doesn't make any no, sense. We, it's an experience it was, that we didn't have. It's the Yogi Berra way to say that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, Got I had it. done conventions for another job that I had had, but uh, as an actual vendor, this was our first time. Yeah, yeah, because cool. we never had a booth for Subspace Communique. So, no. yeah. This Just was, a backpack. This week. Yeah. And a T-shirt. <laughs> right, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. totally. Yeah. So, um, highlights. Uh, getting to meet um, Mike Demerit. That was really cool, listening yeah, to all those awesome stories. I don't know if stuff. you guys that know was... Mike Demerit. Um, he was the – did I already say who this was? I think uh, I, I think did. you did at the beginning. Anyway, of, we'll give yeah, a recap. The... He was the assistant director on both right. Voyager and Enterprise, and he was on Voyager from the beginning to the end. And actually, Enterprise too, Yeah, beginning mm-hmm. to end. Totally. So what an assistant director does is he's the guy that, that's responsible for doing everything that the director doesn't do. Which so is that, a lot. The director is there to shoot, you know, make sure that everything's staged correctly, get the shot, whatever. The assistant director does some of that, but then he also goes through and handles all of the cast, like, inner struggles that they have. And he, it's basically like the coach. Coordinating yeah. lots and, and, and lots of stuff. And I'm probably, honestly, I'm probably cheapening the amount yeah. of work that he did. Right. No, it sounded like a whole lot. Yeah. So they, they really are the grunts. They do a lot of work. And it sounded like there had to be uh, an assistant director on set, like from the moment an actor gets there for right. makeup, which can be really early, um, all the way through the very end of the day. So, I mean, to sometimes that's 24 off. hours a day. Yeah. yeah. So, but he was awesome. We had a blast. Oh, talking yeah. To so Mike. that was that was really fun um, meeting him and getting to know him a little bit. Um, so, you one? yeah, you've got the notes oh, there. Okay. Well. There's the note. Now go ahead and read, and I'll just give my two cents. Okay. Well, of course, we have Hanging with Larry. Um, yeah. Love meeting up with him at every con that we can. Um, and if you guys are ever at a, at a convention where Larry Nemechek has a table, stop by and say hi. He's another fount of knowledge. Totally. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So much And info. TOS, actually, because yeah. he was yep. a huge TOS fan. Dr. Star Trek. Yep. Exactly. Yes, definitely. Um, and... <laughs> Probably the best and worst moment of Houston was uh, partying with one of the celebrity guests uh, after hours one of the days. And that's probably all we're going to go into. Yeah, we're not going to reveal <laughs> right? who it was. Yeah, who it was. Uh, after we're done recording, we can tell you guys. It but. was like, okay. I don't know if the listeners it out was, there remember the part in Willy Wonka oh and the Chocolate gosh. Factory. Yes. Where he, uh, Willy Wonka was on the boat going through the tunnel and he starts singing that really creepy song and you see the chicken's head get cut off. But and everybody's freaking out, but Charlie's loving it. So we, <laughs> yeah, were, we so were Charlie. It was, well, it was a both. Yeah, actually, I was a little scared. I was frightened whole, at times. It was yeah. the whole package. It yeah, really right, was. Right. Um, so, so that one in Houston. Um, 
and then uh oh well at our booth in biocon biocon was um right next to uh well it was right in between mike demerit but then on the other side of us was um bob and jg so that was pretty cool we got to talk to them a bit and um chatted with them a bunch and um jg was super kind and and like really expressed how much he liked the Klingon poster that we had there. So that was really cool. And he actually posed with it for a picture. Um, so that was awesome. Um, we got a, we got both of them to sign a copy for Bye Bye Robot and then to sign a copy for um, the artist. And so that was definitely a highlight for them. And then I think our last one was... Is this number one? Well, we said it was. Well, no, we said that there was number, a number we, one. There is a number one. Yeah. Oh, okay, then yes, this, this is, is the number one. one. This is the one we. Is that enough of a build up for number one? As number oh. one. <laughs> but um, it was actually this one dude um, who came in costume to both of the conventions. We saw him at both places, and the first time he was there uh, in, in Houston, we saw him. Um, he was. Uh, it was Hunter S. Thompson plus. Mario from Mario Brothers, right? And so it was like Hunter S. Mario. And uh, like a conglomeration of two entities, no one could do better. It was it was hilarious. I so mean, when had, we walked up to him in Houston to take the picture, yeah, he's carrying around the suitcase. And of course, he has on the hat and the broken you know cigarette in the cigarette holder and the Hawaiian shirt. And he, he's got the whole swagger down. Um, although as Mario, he had a Mario. He hat had a on. Mario hat on, and yeah. then and then, he, but the rest was like so Hunter S. Thompson. He walks up with the suitcase, and I'm all, "Can I get a picture of you?" And he's all, "Sure." And he gets down in this pose and opens the suitcase, and it's full of Mario drugs. So the mushrooms were in there, <laughs> the star was in there, there were gold coins in there. It was, it was hilarious. Yeah. It was so well done. We have and some so, pictures of that yeah. on our site. So it was perfectly both. It was perfectly Hunter S. Thompson and, and also Mario. So. But then we saw him again in Bayoucon, and he was Hunter S. Shran. And and actually, um, oh god, what did it? Somebody said um, somebody came up with a better one. Now I I can't remember, but I we were asking was he Hunter S. Shran? And yes, um, somebody else had a better name for him where they ran the S into the name better. But um, uh, anyways, so he was. Again, Hunter S. Thompson and Shran, and so he and had, Shran was the Andorian from Enterprise for the folks that out there that don't right, know about Star Trek. Right, right. So, so in this one, he had um, the he was all blue, but he still had the Hunter S. Thompson clothes, and um, he still had the antenna. Right, I'm yeah. sure he had the oh, antenna. Yeah. They and, were kind of disheveled. Right, which was actually perfect. Yeah, and and but he still had this the cigarette holder, and he still had the suitcase. Only this time, in the suitcase, it was. I, drugs from TOS. TOS. I mean, it yeah, was just I mean, like was the, just the like, different colored, you know, powders that you saw at McCoy's. Sick, yes, sick it was bay. very cool. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, <laughs> so that was our favorite. Awesome. That just cracked me up. I love the ingenuity and, and the imagination that went into both and of those costumes. And we saw him in Houston and then in Lake Charles, Louisiana. That guy and gets we, around. Yeah, we just walked him all, hey. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for sharing some of your top moments from the the cons that you went to. Oh, yeah. No, it was a blast. And we always love coming on and, and talking to you guys. And oh, yeah. Listeners out there get to listen to our rambles. So. Yeah, That's babbling. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, if you get a chance, listeners, please check out their sites at Robot, And it's BuyBubbleRobot.com. Is that what it is? Yep, com. Right, and SubspaceCommunicate.com. And is it LifeAfterTruck.com, too? Yeah, that just points to the the podcast section of Subspace Communicate. Right, right. Yep, you can get works. to it either or. Yep. yep. 
Yeah, well, thank you guys for coming on. And, and Miles, we should, uh, we should wrap up the show here. Okay. Again, please check out our website, so, uh, Subspace. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> you can check out that site, too. Uh, Podcast.com for more information on us and show notes and links to the various places we just sent you. And I believe that's about it, Miles. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We will see you.